support team and Jeff and all of you guys who are part of this, really, um, I just want to encourage you guys with this that, um, you know, it, it's really, really encouraging to see you guys continue um, striking at the iron that God gives you, right? And uh, it, it's, it's really, really cool to see that. And yeah, good for you. Great. I mean, good for you. So stupid. But I, I'm encouraged. Um, yeah. Um, so I was, I was invited to uh, talk a little bit about this. Uh, I hope I got this title right. And I want to kind of bring th through some of these thoughts that I have. The Ultimate Victory of Jesus on the Cross. Did I get that right? Sweet. Um, so before we get into that, I was at the flea market today because uh, they have really good uh, fish tacos, and I love fish tacos. And uh, we were we were there. Um, it's, so it, it's really really good stuff there, and uh, they usually have uh, some musical numbers that are there, and some of them are really good, and others are like not so good, right? It's like flea market music. What can you expect, right? Um, so so they had this uh, they had this older couple. And they were singing. They were singing, uh, you know, popular songs and stuff like that. And the volume was turned down really, really low. And Liam and I, my, my son, we were, were walking by them. And Liam always seems to want to give money to people who are playing music. So he's like, can I have $2? I'm like, no, we're not giving them money. Um, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. They could be rich. Like, they don't need my money. I need the $2 more than they do, probably. And if you give money to everybody, you're going to go broke at some point, right? So we were walking by, and we were in a rush. And I stopped to listen to what they were singing because the music was turned down really, really low and there was a lot of noise outside. And they were playing, I think, uh, I think they were playing, um, what's it called? Every Step You Make by Sting or whatever. Is it Sting? The Police, the police sorry, yeah. Um, so, so Liam knows that song and he's like, oh, they're playing the song for whatever. And I thought, why is this so soft? Um, and I was watching them, and they were singing, and then they started to sing some Coldplay, and they started to sing some other songs, and, and they were singing to each other, which was really interesting, and Liam turns to me, and he says, Daddy, they really love each other, don't they? And I said, why do you think that? He said, because of the way they look at each other. And I was like, for a nine-year-old to pick up on that and how they were singing, and the cool thing was, I, you know, I stopped to notice what he was noticing, and he was so right. This this couple, um, I'm okay. So I'm assuming that they're together, right? If not, they are like, just they're really in love with each other, and they probably don't know. But I'm gonna assume that they are they were married or whatever. But but the love and the passion of of the song was so evident in their in their what they were performing that it was like. My goodness, you you couldn't escape that. You couldn't you couldn't like turn your eye away from it. Um, and a nine year old had to like he was like, "Yo, I don't know what all of this is, but there's something here." And these people didn't really care about the sound or the volume or whatever. I would I would say they were average. They weren't like your best. They weren't your worst. They were they were decent, right? But but they sang to each other, and that was that was crazy. Because that love was evident. And as I was thinking about tonight, um, we're going to talk about Jesus' victory of, of uh, you know, his victory on the cross. But what I want to talk to you more about tonight, and this is just simply what I want to share with you, is that God loves you. 
Um, I was wrestling with this. I was telling Andrew before this. I was, I was stuck on this passage, and I kept on hearing this message. We need to say this to those who are here tonight, that God loves them. And I was literally praying to God. I, I prayed this. I said, God, that's too simple. It, we, God, there's, it's got to be more complicated than this. God, just give, give more insight about this. And all I could hear was, God loves you. So at the flea market, just watching this couple sing to one another these songs, these ballads, God, one of the things that God was reminding me of is that the reason why he's victorious, the reason why all of these rich, rich theologies that we sing about, that we know in the church, it all stems from the very fact that God loves us. No matter how complicated you may think certain theologies are, the history of Christianity, all those things, it really sums itself up to God loves you. Um, and the reason is, is because God is love. It's not that God shows you his love. It's because that's his character. He can't help but love on you, right? So it's, it makes absolute sense that all the stuff we sing about Jesus chasing after us, Jesus wanting to connect with us, that Jesus wants to do all these things, they're all motivated by a God who is love, Right? But here's the question. What does that mean for us? Like, what is it, what is it actually, like, how does it actually speak to us? Like, it's, it's one thing to hear and know. It's something else to actually say, I own this because I've felt it and I've sensed it and it's calling me to something. Because that love is not just something that we define. If I give you a definition of love, you will walk away from this place and you will be maybe an ounce smarter because you understand love. But if you haven't felt love, if you don't understand that love is meant to be something that resonates with this thing that God's created in you, um, there's, a, there's a different level of knowing, right? And so this evening, one of the things I wanted to uh, share with you is from the book of Romans. If you got your Bible, you got your phone, I want to encourage you to pull it out. I am going to be reading through a lot of this. I feel like this is... This is, uh, honestly, I, I've tried really, really hard not to complicate this, even though I was asking God to complicate it, right? I'm like, God, we, we need the three-point, we need the, you know, and God's like, just, just read them the passage. Um, so I'm, I, I, Liam was sitting across from me at Starbucks, and I was like racking my brain. I, I had pages all over the table. I was writing thoughts. I was like drawing diagrams of this stuff. I was drawing. Liam's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, but the people need their food. I was like, and then it, this, and this just kept on coming up. So, um, so Romans chapter seven is where I want to start. And I want to end in Romans chapter eight. Okay. Because I think this is where for those who maybe require or need something a little bit more complicated, it's there. Read it on your own time. I'm going to try not to do that for you tonight. Um, and, and Romans 8 ends with, I think, one of the most simple, like, punch you in the face kind of, like, here, here's what it is. And it's an invitation. Um, and, and I really hope that you can hear that invitation 
tonight for what it's what it's really calling us to be. Um, so Romans chapter seven starts off uh, this way. Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and uh, he's given this amazing, amazing sort of this is how rich Jesus is. This is how big and good Jesus is. Like, imagine the most excited thing that you ever can become excited about. This is Paul. He's like, he's so excited about Jesus because Jesus literally knocked him off his horse and uh, called him to doing something. And, and he's excited about this. And this is what he starts off with. So he's saying this to people who are Jews already, um, who, are, who have come into faith. And uh, he says, do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men uh, who know the law, that the law has authority over man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law and is not an adulteress even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another. I want to park on that statement for a second, because if you're reading this, you're like, okay, what are you trying to get at with this whole illustration of marriage, right? And what Paul's saying is, like, this group of people grew up knowing that their relationship with God was like walking a tightrope. In order for me to receive blessing from God and in order for me to do good, they were taught that you had to live a certain way. And if you lived a certain way and you didn't break rules, you were okay, but you were, you were an okay Jew. You were, you were doing okay, right? And Paul's saying that, guess what? That way of living was never the intent that God wanted us to live. Now, he, he's not saying that you were meant to live to break every law and just go on like a killing spree and do whatever the heck you wanted to do. That's not what he's saying. He says, but these rules became so rigid that people thought that the only way to find true life was to live in this box of rules. And so he illustrates that with marriage. And he says, look, when you get married, right, uh, the rule of law is that you're going to be with this one person, this woman or man or whatever, right? And he's like, this is, this is the rule. If you go and cheat on your husband or your wife, you become an adulterer, right? And the Jews were like, yeah, it's like we broke the law. We took that super seriously. And the, the focus wasn't on my relationship with God necessarily, but keeping those rules. And so Paul's like, he goes, look, that way of living was never intended for how God intended for you to live. And he goes, but that was put to death because of Jesus. He took all of that stuff on. And so the point of Jesus' death, and he's introducing this to everybody, is he's saying, look, the reason why he did all of this stuff is to introduce you to a new way of living. A way of living that is not just rules-oriented, but relationship-oriented. So when you lived under rules, your, your goal as a good Jew was to try to keep as many rules as possible. And the idea was that you kind of lived in this sort of, hmm, I better not break these rules. I better not live outside of this. That's not a way to live. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, if I can use the marriage illustration again, it's kind of like if you're married and you say, the only thing, only responsibility I have 
is to not cheat on my spouse. And, and your entire marriage relationship is built only on not cheating on your wife or your husband. Well, if you live like that, you, you don't live for the, the dates, the, the, uh, the, the good times you have with each other. You don't live for all of those things. You just live for that, you know, I, I can't break this because if I break it, there goes my marriage. Well, you, you live like that long enough, you don't, actually cre- you don't actually have a relationship with your spouse. And that's what Paul's starting to say. He goes, rules are great. Rules are important. Relationships need rules. But what happened is that those rules have become a substitute. And so he's saying, Jesus has come to change that. And, and I, I really want to uh, reread this statement because I think this is hugely important for us because especially if you've grown up in the church, um, this is something that I've struggled with because I also thought for the longest time that I have to live according to what these rules are without actually connecting to God. And here's, here's the verse, it's, it's in verse four. So he says, so my brothers or sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. So what Paul starts off with this in, in this chapter is he's saying to them, look, I get it. You know the rules really well. You live sort of in fear of breaking the rules. But the reason and the, 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 the importance of Jesus and the significance of him dying on the cross and coming back and calling us is so that we can belong to him. So the idea isn't that we belong to this set of rules and live according to this stuff and like, I guess got to do this. It's, I now belong to Jesus. So now what he's doing is he's asking this question. If Jesus did that, what does life look like now? What should life look like now? Um, so he goes, through, he goes through a whole ton of really, really rich, rich stuff. And then he ends up in chapter 8. I'm, I'm going to skip through all of this stuff because it's, it's, it's hugely important that if you ever get a chance to go read it, especially in the message version, he starts talking at them and saying, listen, here are the things that you're afraid of, but here's the things that Jesus is actually bringing about. And in chapter 8, this is what he starts off with. So therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what, what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. So what he's saying is he goes, look, you lived under this rule of being afraid that if you broke these rules, that you'd be condemned. It's no way to live. That was never the way God intended for us to live. Instead, he intended for us to live in a relationship with him where our identity, the things that we do, the the life, the quality, the quantity of life that we live is under that regime. And that's, all of those things are motivated by God loves you 
regardless of how you want to see it, regardless of whether you've gone to school for it, regardless of whatever it is that you understand of it, it all comes under this, this idea that God loves you. And he's done that because he, he's created this path for which life now needs to take a different shape. Um, how many of you guys take the 407 at all? How many of you can afford the 407? I, I, I can't. Um, I, I borrowed my dad's car for three months, and he has a uh, 407 transponder. So um, I used it as much as I possibly could because <laughs> it wasn't mine. Um, but one of the things I loved about the 407 is that anytime you need to, like, I live in Whitby, and anytime you need to get to Toronto, right, it's, it cuts down on so much of your time, right? But if you can't go on the 407, which I can't anymore because I returned the car, and you have to get across the city at 5 o'clock or early in the morning, right, it's, it's a pain in, you know, in the neck to, to drive all this way, right, because there's traffic, there's all these kinds of things. And, and I'm liking what Paul's saying. If, if, if he were to illustrate this today, he would say, you know what, getting through life in the old way is, is like getting stuck in traffic. It's getting frustrated by the fact that you actually can't get anywhere. And it's like God has created this highway and he's actually paid for you to go on this highway. The question is, what does it look like? What is, what is that, you know, what does that mean for us in our life? Um, I, I want to throw this back to... Uh, all the way at the end of uh, chapter 8. So he's talking about what it means to uh, live uh, that life. He says, um, he says a whole bunch of really, really interesting things about what it means, what that life looks like. But he ends off this way. And um, not to say that living that life isn't important or describing that's not important. He ends off this, and I'm going to read uh, for you about eight, eight or nine verses here. So it's in verse 28. So he wraps this up to this group of Jews that he's talking to, this church. He goes, and we know that in all good things, or sorry, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst his brothers, amongst many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want to pause here again because there's a lot of richness here. He's saying, look, the, the stuff that this law was meant to do cannot do what this new life in Jesus is, meant, is, is willing to do. Right? So it's like you, you lived sort of in fear of breaking rules. You lived in whatever reasoning that was here, but the, the way of life that Jesus is now carving for us is, is this rich life. It, it's a life of communion with God. It's a life where God is saying to us, look, you, you're no longer these people who I consider my enemy. You're no longer people who are far away. You're, you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're like, you're the, it, it's, he kind of says this earlier on in verse 8, or chapter 8. He's like, you are heir to this kingdom that, that I am. So it's, imagine that what God's doing is he's saying, I don't want to give you another set of rules to live by because you'll, you'll live under that. What he's saying is, I'm going to come and live in you and with you. Um, and so uh, being like Jesus is one of those 
things that, that, that God's calling us to live like, right? Um, then he goes on, he says this, what shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What do you, what do you want? Think, think about that. Like, what, what do you want that Jesus needs to give us? Um, there's been a lot of my life that I've lived in church where it's, it's not said, but it's felt that we shouldn't be asking God for stuff. We shouldn't be asking God for things in our life. Don't get me wrong, you, you could kind of become totally greedy and just be like, God, make me a millionaire and you know, stupid things like that. You probably could. But that's not what he's saying here and that's not what I'm asking. That's not what Jesus is asking. I think Jesus is saying here through Paul, what are the things in this relationship that we have that you need? What more do you need to hear and experience? God is pouring all these things um, so who will bring any charge? This is verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is, that, uh, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding on behalf of us or for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Right? So there's this connection that God wants to have with you already has with you. And Paul's like, who on earth is going to cut that off? And he's building this case for saying, nothing, no one. No one can. The highway is clear, free, it's paid for. Go live it. Who's going to stop you from that? Um, I'm going to jump to uh, verse 37. I'm going to finish off in this. So he says, look, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And uh, Paul starts off in chapter seven by saying, you all sort of lived in this box thinking that if I break all of these rules, God will strike me down with lightning and he will not love me and not whatever. And he ends off by saying, look, there's a life that God wants to give to you. There's a life, there's a quality of life that God wants to give to you. He's inviting us into. And he's saying, what's going to separate that? So I, I sort of imagine that I'm at the start of the 407 if that's the way that God's kind of put me at that point, say, you know what, go Jim, go live this life. And the question that I, I keep asking, that God's asking in, in a lot of ways, is like, what's stopping you from just hitting the gas and going forward? Because he, he, she, she explains this really insane picture. He goes, angels or demons, they can't do anything. Nothing in creation can really stop you. These rules, they're nothing. Um, 
I, I actually believe one of the things that, that Paul's even saying here is he's, he's encouraging people. It's like, you may think you're far from God. That's not stopping God from saying, you're still on the road. You just, just drive. Just, just go. Uh, um, there, there might be things that we put in the way, but God's inviting us to say, yeah, maybe it's time to take those off. Because nothing, I love you. I, I am not going to put hindrances in your life to get you to go this way. Because the life that Jesus wants to give you is a life that he carves out of love because of who he is. It is, it is a life of acceptance. It is a life that he wants us to pour back out to others in love because that's what he wants to shape in us. So whether it is, whether you pray for people, whether you speak in tongues, whether you uh, speak a word to other people, all of those motivations that God is wanting to create in your life is out of love. And that's the pathway that he wants us to go in. So I, I want to I throw this out to you. Um, and I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a risk here because I was, uh, I, I was praying this morning and I, I thought, God, why this message? Why this? And I think here's the point. There may be some of us here, and I, I, I am one of those people who felt or feel like I have to perform for God. Right? Like, I, I got to do this, and God will love me. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've sometimes, I've often gone that way, and God reminds me, he's like, yeah, you, you, you could do this, but I love you regardless. Like, my love for you has nothing to do with what you do for me. And I wonder if there are people here, if there's some of us here who've been either serving or doing ministry or whatever, where we need to hear fresh from God. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Right? Like nothing you put in the way is going to separate God. I, I love what Chelsea said at the start. I think, I think a bunch of you guys even said this and, and even these songs, it's like the, the pursuit that God has for you, the chase, is, is unrivaled, is what, like, you could pretty much read that. It, Paul's like saying, nothing will match how relentlessly God is going to come chase after you. Nothing. There may be some of you here, and this is something that I've been praying uh, about this afternoon. Um, you've either had... How do I put this? You've either experienced God through community or you've experienced God through, through church. And that's a good thing. You've come to know who God is. There's something, you're like, there's something different here or whatever. And, and I'm going to use your imagery because I thought that, like when you said this, said it this more, uh, uh, before we were, when we were praying, I thought that, that just sat so incredibly richly with me. God maybe needs to remove some of these rocks in our lives, whether it be fear or doubt or pain or bitterness or whatever it is, to uncover a path that is rich. 
right? And like that's, when I read this, Paul is creating this immense theology for who Jesus is. But if you look at that theology, you could really easily miss the one message that he's trying to get across. God loves you and he's going to chase after you. And he went to the cross to do it. That's what the victory was. The victory was to say this old set of rules and, and system of life had no love in it. But Jesus does. And, and I wonder, uh, I, I want to spend a few minutes in prayer. I want to pray for us and with us. I, I wonder if you might be one of those people. Um, and maybe you need to ask, you, maybe you need to, maybe this could be your prayer. God, give me fresh ears to hear you again, to hear that I love you. God, give me fresh eyes to see just how much you love me. I asked Liam, uh, what made you think that those two people singing at the flea market loved each other? And he said, it was the way they looked at each other. Um, I don't do romantic comedies really well or anything like that, so I totally missed that or whatever. But when, when he said that and I looked, nothing could break that. And I imagine this passage to be like that. Like it, It's like, guess what? Jesus made it possible for God to look directly into your heart, whoever you are, and say, I, I love you, and nothing is going to stop me from chasing after you. Nothing is going to stop me from continually giving you that life that I'm calling you to. Nothing is going to stop me from pouring this on you. Um, and I wonder if tonight we need to rehear that for some of us. I wonder if for some of us, it maybe needs to go from like here to this, this space here to be like, yeah, you know what? God, I've seen you do a bunch of things in my life, but I want to hear you say, I love, I love you. I want to hear that this is, this is what, you know, your, your affections towards me. And I want to pray with us tonight that the answer to that will be Jesus, like right here. <laughs> we'll be like, here it is. This is what I did. I, I'm doing this to bring you into uh, friendship with me.